Welcome to the new school. What we wanted to do was talk about the concept of authenticity and vulnerability in an industry that has typically been super buttoned up, super professional, and a little bit old school. Welcome to episode number 11 of the New School Video Podcast. It's me, Candace, Head of Advisor Education at Bicom Partners, and in this episode, I'm flying solo and had the opportunity to speak to Matthew Ricks, the president of Haystack Financial Planning, which is an RAA firm based in New York. So what's super cool about Matthew, or as we call him, Matt, is that he's a CFP who previously worked at JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, and Ameriprise. He even has an MBA from New York University, but recently began the journey of going independent and launching his own RAA firm focused on the disabled and special needs community. Okay, so what's really cool about Matt is he's really showing up authentically online already, and he tells us a little bit about why he thought that was important, specifically in serving this very niche market. He's all things new school and has a really unique perspective on the future of the RA industry, how we consume information, build trust, but more specifically, why he decided to venture off by himself in his own firm and serve this very specific niche. Of course, like all our guests, I think you're going to love him. Hi, everyone. I'm super excited because today we have Matthew or Matt Ricks of Haystack Financial Planning. You're based out of New York City. You're an XY Planning Network member, and you recently launched your own RIA. Welcome to the New School Podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here, Candice. So, uh, Matt, you're kind of different from some of our other guests, which is why I was excited to have you on, because you have actually quite an impressive background. You have an MBA from NYU. You worked at J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo, Ameriprise, uh, but you decided to launch recently, just very recently, decided to launch your own RIA focused on the niche of families who have special needs. Why would you do that? Yeah. So my background, you know, big corporate finance, right? So I started my career asset management, working for JP, like you said, became an advisor at Wells Fargo, went to Ameriprise, made the switch really because I wanted to have more control over who I work with and how I work with them. Uh, you know, the industry's changing the old ways of, you know, certainly, you know, Bud Fox and Wall Street from the 80s, that's long gone. Um, but even the ways of the early 2000s, uh, you know, people don't want just investment advice. People want full scale advice on all their finances. So forming my own RIA allows me to do that. Also allows me to pick and choose who I want to work with. Right. Not the there's wrong with working with everyone. People can be generalists. I decided to go into working with the special needs or, you know, disability field um, and that community mainly because it's underserved. You know, if you look at the statistics, one in five are diagnosed with a need or a disability. That's Americans. And then if you 
account for caretakers, it's one in three. So there's what, roughly 330 million people in the US. So you're saying 100 million people within this community. So I certainly didn't hyper niche by any means. Um, but, you know, came about it through the normal course of business, decided and, and found enough interest for myself um, from the different layers, if you will, the different uh, benefit programs, the different you know, knowledge base that you require that from the let's call it normal financial planning, right? Um, where I said, hey, look, this is interesting. There's a need. This could be a business as well as I could help people, which is why I got into this business. But tell us a little bit about that. Like, what was there like a moment where you were like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I, you, I like noticed on your website, you wanted to marry, you said, your love of financial planning and being of service. I think I'm not like saying it exactly right, but like, like when did you when were you like because I mean you took a really big risk why I wanted to have you on is because of who you're focused on I haven't seen that before I thought that was really cool and really new school but like tell us a little bit about like that kind of like emotional experience that thought pattern did you come home one day to your wife and say like I just can't take it anymore like what what was it what was that journey like for you sure um so like most advisors getting into this space, you come in and you either are completely on your own or you partner up with an older advisor, a more experienced advisor. Doesn't necessarily have to be older, more experienced. I did that at Wells, didn't work out for a number of reasons. Tried that at Ameriprise, didn't work out for a number of reasons. Mainly for, you know, they always promise a seat at the table. Part of the decision process didn't work out for me. I was frustrated with that. Um, I never saw myself as an entrepreneur growing up. I'm going to be very honest. It's not something where like I, I was always, you know, hustling to make money, this or that. I, I worked for my dad growing up and it was mostly because he knew that he could tell me to do whatever he needed me to do. Um, and I would do it. I didn't have a choice. So it helped him out. And, you know, I got some spending money in high school and college. Um, like I said, I started out working for JP Morgan, one of the biggest institutions out there. I didn't have that entrepreneurial spirit. The, the breaking point really for me was, okay, you, you work for these bigger financial firms and, and you work and, and you service the client. You, you are sourcing the client, right? You're, you're bringing in and forming those relationships. And the, you know, the old school way is you give a big cut of your revenue for the support. Um, technology has changed the game there. You know, especially last year proved that to me where, when COVID first hit my family and I, we left New York to go to Florida to my parents to get more space, to get out away from kind of New York city. And my parents, um, you know, house we were there with family, but my clients acclimated wonderfully to the virtual experience. And to me that said, Hey, I don't really need an office then. Um, they, you know, not a lot of them came to my office anyway. I came to them. All right. So what am I paying this percentage of my revenue for, right? If I don't really need this office space, okay. Or clients don't require me to have it, right? Um, obviously, Zoom and, and virtual meetings and um, software and the different technology available now, you know, especially working with younger families or, or people with young kids, they're not going to be able to meet at six o'clock after work. They're going to get home. Uh, so this new virtual world, I have young kids myself. It makes it simpler for everyone to coordinate, um, so that's kind of like two aha things was, hey, the virtual thing, it's not a fad. This is the way of the future. Um, even older clients, I have a, a client of mine where he worked in Midtown for 45 plus years, gave up his office, said, why didn't I work from home sooner? He goes, this is great. He goes, my, my clients don't matter. I go to the courthouse. That's where I see them. 
they don't come to my office. Why am I paying all this money? Um, so like I said, between that and just frustration with kind of not having full control over my career, who I want to work with, um, the messaging, right. Working for a bigger firm. It's always kind of about, uh, the larger brand versus me. And I may not necessarily agree with the larger brand at all points. Um, and they don't really allow, um, for reasons I understand, you know, they don't really allow you to kind of get your messaging out specifically. Um, and that was frustrating, especially trying to work with this community. Uh, it is such a tailored messaging you need. And, you know, to show that, hey, I understand, you know, those extra needs you have because of, you know, your, your family members or loved ones. Uh, I can help you with that. I have that expertise. I think it's so interesting. So I know I've asked this question to you, like in a multitude of different ways. And you're like, because people need it. But like, why special needs? Like what, what I, I feel like there's kind of some, there must be some emotional pull there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's one of those things where I didn't realize it at first, but the more people ask me that question and the more I dug, the more there is, right. Um, I had a number of friends growing up where, you know, I'm 37, right? So growing up, a lot of kids weren't diagnosed um, with a need or a disability. And you go back and you look at it and you're like, yeah, you know, he had a very big speech impediment. That That's a, a need or a disability. Um, or, you know, there was a kid, I played football in sixth grade. He was a, a grade younger. Um, I forget exactly, you know, what, uh, but, you know, he certainly, you know, gave it at us all. Right. Um, and I'm not trying to, you know, do that whole, uh, you know, feel good porn type thing where, you know, the feel good story, but just a kid who had physical issues and just wanted to be part of something and had a great attitude about it. But, you know, as a sixth grader, you don't think of that, but looking back on it, I'm like, Hey, wow, I have experience with this stuff. I've lived through some of it. Um, close family, friends, uh, you know, cousins that they've dealt with it. And I've had that experience through them. Uh, from it and realizing and seeing the trials and tribulations they go through and understanding kind of their, their pain points and, you know, talking to them and hearing their conversations like, Oh, I wish I knew this, you know, years ago, or I wish I had someone who could tell me this um, kind of just cemented it, you know, right. More after the fact, but um, that's the emotional side of it is where, Hey, uh, I, I have more experience than I thought with that community um, with that need, you know, and, yeah, that's that's the, the honest truth. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I know um, there's a, there's lots I want to talk to you about with that. But when you tell people you and I talked about this pre this conversation, when you tell people and you're in the XYPN growth marketing workshop, which I built with the XY team, which was super exciting to me that you're in it. So, you know, the lingo. But um, as you think about um the, the change that you're trying to create uh, and why you became an advisor, I already see, even though you have this corporate finance background, like the way you show up online is very authentic and very real. So like, I just wanted to read this. So you said, hi, I'm Matt, the president of Haystack Financial Planning, an RA in New York. Uh, you talk about uh, drumming to financial advising to a focus on special needs not Nirvana, but it's closer. You show up very friendly, very authentic, very natural already online. Why? Like, how, why, why did you do that? Well, well, thank you. That's a great compliment coming from you. Um, and yet the, the XRI growth 
platform and the workshop has been great to help me fine tune that. And part of one of the reasons I started my own firm was to be me, right? Like I said, I want to get my message out there. I want to share my story. Um, and part of that is this community that the disabled and special needs community, they can spot a phony. They know it. You know, they, they have enough on, you know, they're dealing with um, the doctors, the, the insurance agents, you know, the government programs um, where they don't have time for it. Right. And if you're not authentic, it's easily spotted. And it's a very close knit community where you could easily get a reputation for good or for bad. And you're, you're burned or you're, you're seen as, you know, a, a good resource and a good help. Um, so when I decided to start my own firm and focus you know, on disabled and special needs individuals, there was only one way to do it. And that was just to be me and say, Hey, look, this is who I am. Uh, this is what I believe in. This is why I'm here. And it resonates or it doesn't. Like I said, it's 110 million people. It's not going to resonate with everyone. I don't need it to resonate with 110 million people. Right. Um, I just need it to resonate with the right people. A, a thousand true fans. So um, when you tell people that you specialize in special needs, and especially as you're going through the workshop, are people like, oh, is that a thing? Is that viable? Like, what is the response been? A lot of other planners and advisors and, and people talking to trust and estates attorneys, right, or, or other professionals um, certainly don't come across a lot of planners or advisors who outwardly market and focus their firm on that. Uh, so that's another reason why I did what I did, right? You Google it and you get firms out there that do focus and outwardly market towards that, but there's not enough. Um, it, it's viable because, hey, look, this isn't a socioeconomic issue, right? There are plenty of people with means, with wealth, um, where a loved one has a disability or a need. They have, you know, the, the normal, right, planning needs of everyone else. Um, and if they're a parent with a, a child who has a need or a disability, more times than not, they have other children. Okay, so you have planning for that one child as well as other children, as well as your retirement and whatever else you want to accomplish in your life. Um, it, it's not something where, you know, I do incorporate pro bono work as part of my practice and I believe in giving back and as part of that. Um, but it's not like I'm out here, you know, as a quasi public defender for finance, right? Where all I'm doing it is doing the, all the pro bono work. You know, you know what's interesting that you say that? I, I think I've shared the story with people close to me, but you know, I work in finance and for a long time, I kind of rejected it because even though I've spent my whole career in the RAA industry, when I was early on in my, when I graduated university, I got jobs at UBS and some other companies and I just couldn't take them. I was like, my soul is going to die. I cannot do it. And I went to go work at Nordstrom for a year, which was really fun until I couldn't pay my rent. And then I was like, I need to get a real job. And I discovered the RAA space of like aligning people's money with their values. And I was like, oh, this is something I can, I can get behind. It's actually like really meaningful. But then I did struggle with sometimes, well, what are we actually doing here? Like we're just helping the uber wealthy, like get wealthier, you know? But then what I think I started to realize is, you know, I used to think that people who worked at nonprofits or those types of companies were like better people, like they were doing better work and having a bigger impact on the world. And I've come through experience to realize that that's not true, like that there is this dichotomy of like capitalism is not a bad thing. And when you empower people to make better decisions with their money, the impact that they have on their family, their community, the businesses they run or are leading, it has a profound ripple effect that's bigger than we can even imagine. 
Absolutely. Yeah. You, you look at the work, you know, Tyron Ross is doing with, you know, the learn to money where he's trying to do the education and get in the schools so people understand that, you know, that's all part of this, uh, part of the industry that needs to improve uh, where, like I said, I- I'm hoping to contribute to that by doing some of the pro bono planning. Um, you know, I work with an organization here in the city, you know, Sydney, where they focus on uh, independent living for those with disabilities or special needs, where that's their focus. How, what resources can they provide? And I'm one of the resources where, okay, I have this benefit I'm getting from the government. You know, there's income caps, there's um, asset caps. How do I, how do I get a job? How much can I afford to make without disqualifying myself? You know, all these different kind of dances they have to do really to, to figure out and just live their life. Um, and, and part of the, you know, the opportunity I saw was there's not enough planners and advisors who understand the ins and outs of that. Right. Um, where, yeah, even for those with means, uh, you know, I had a, one example I like to share is client who was a single mother, a daughter with a, a disability or need had everything in joint name. The daughter was 16. I said, this is a problem, right? Mm. And it wasn't a malicious intent by their previous advisor. Um, it was, wasn't ignorance, wasn't, they just didn't know. They didn't understand how that interacts and how that plays and how when this daughter went to apply for, you know, uh, SSI or SSDI or any of these programs, you know, it could easily be flagged of, oh, hey, you have all this money. No, thanks. Like, you're good. Um, you know, the daughter was getting uh, shuttled to therapy every day. I said, that's going to go away. That's going to become an out-of-pocket expense. You know, we need to change this today, um, set up proper trust work, all that fun stuff that goes along with, you know, ensuring that both mom and daughter are taken care of, um, you know, best they can and to their benefit. Tell me about how you're making your website, your content, and your marketing more accessible. So you like outlined a little bit of that. What is that? What does that need? What does that look like? Yeah. So the website, um, you know, the little blue guy, little blue person uh, on the the bottom corner, I don't fully understand the technology behind it. I, I, I know that it, it, it works with screen readers. Uh, it works with um, those who might not be able to um, vision issues, right? Uh, it, it can provide different ways for them to experience the website. Um, you know, with the blog posts, the blog posts that are solely me, I try to add an audio component of me reading out the post. Uh, because if there's, again, a, a vision issue or a screen reader issue, they have another medium to do so. With you know my Instagram, with the Facebook, uh, I try to add image descriptions uh, for the same reason. Uh, so they understand and get a, a sense of what's there. And, and that's what it's about, right? You, you want to make sure the most people can view the information. Um, and working with you know disabled and special needs individuals, you have to cater to that. You can't be doing videos without closed captioning. Um, you, you can't be just posting pictures and not giving a description because what if something's lost, right? You show a chart. What's in the chart? You can give a, a, a quotation or a quick caption, but the, the main crux of the messaging may very well be lost if you don't do that. Um, and that's important to me because, again, that's not out there in the financial world anyway. Not a lot of people are doing that and making it accessible, Um so my hope is that by doing that and by showing that, hey, I'm aware of these issues, um, addressing them, it again shows that I, I care. Uh, I'm here to help and I understand kind of what, what these individuals, what these families need. 
So I hear a lot of like really like showing up as yourself, like that leading with authenticity, which is so new school. I hear a lot of like creating accessibility, you know what I'm saying? Like, so what I'm hearing kind of an all, and like, even in that quote of like, like a drummer to financial advisor close to nirvana, it's really almost like the self-actualization into with a little bit more ease in your life of just being able to like be yourself in all aspects. And I feel like we hear that time and time again in different ways from our guests across the new school. But Anna Jaikante specifically said that, like she said, she even started to dress differently because like she wasn't so confined by you know, kind of like the corporate, you know, restrictions of like how you're supposed to show up and stuff. How has since launching your RA and like really stepping into this space impacted you personally on a day-to-day basis, how you feel like your family life, like what is, what has been the impact of that? One of the beauties about the profession as an advisor and a planner is depending on where you work, you can kind of set your own hours, but now having my own firm, I can be very, you know, clear about that. So I've, you know, I do virtual school with my four-year-old two to three days a week. And that is a, you know, non-negotiable. I block out my calendar. No one can get a meeting. You know, clients understand that, hey, look, I tell them outright, this is when I have virtual school. Um, Clients who need to meet after hours because maybe they're on the West Coast or they have a job themselves. I say, look, um, you know, right now I drive our nanny home every day and I pick her up. I say, look, hard stop at six. If you need to talk, it's eight o'clock and it's only for 45 minutes. So just having that flexibility and frankly, that empowerment um, to kind of set that expectation. And I have not gotten any pushback um, during the pandemic. You know, the crux of it, you know, last year, my wife and I were working half days where it was OK. You know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I had the morning. She had the afternoons, you know, and clients are receptive to it. Clients respect it. Um, they understand the boundaries. And it's been wonderful uh, from a personal perspective. You know, I. uh Spending more time with my sons, right? You know, getting that one-on-one dad time where, hey, look, if I worked for someone else, you're kind of at their whim, right? Well, I want you in the office at nine o'clock. All right, but I don't have any meetings. What do I need to be there for? If I want to walk to my, my son to school, what's the problem? Well, I want you here at nine. I don't have that anymore. Um, you know, and that's been great from, you know, family perspective because, you know, my wife has a job where she has to be there. She works in, you know, commercial investment banking and she's very much, she's on a global team. She has meetings some days starting at 7 a.m. Some days her meetings go till 9 p.m., right? Working with a global team will do that to you. So me having that flexibility is how our family works, right? Where I can duck out and run to the grocery store and pick up some stuff in the middle of the day. Um, or uh, the nanny calls out sick. I can kind of rearrange my schedule, certainly easier than she can. Um, because I am, you know, I, it's just me. I can shift that around and um, I've set those kind of, I don't want to say barriers because that's not the right word, but those expectations with clients that, hey, look, you know, family's always going to come first, uh, you know, unless it's a pressing issue, you know, we can make it work. Otherwise, you know, I appreciate your understanding. And it's been great. Um, one of those things where I look back and I was like, why didn't I do this sooner? You know, Yeah. So I like, so what I'm hearing is like really you being able to live the type of life that you want aligned with your values as a demonstration to then help your clients do the same. Absolutely. Um, you know, one of those things where I can work from anywhere. And again, last year proved that to a T clients, some, even I told them, I'm, Oh, I'm in Florida. They forgot like, Oh, you know, how's life in the city? It was like, I've been in Florida for two months. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. We completely forgot. 
because of the technology. It doesn't, you know, doesn't really make all that much of a difference. Um, but you're absolutely right as far as, you know, leading by example, you know, clients can get wrapped up in the rat race, right? Especially here in the New York area. Um, keeping up with the Joneses, right? That's another thing that very easy to fall into that trap. Um, and I'm not trying to do it because I, I think I'm better than anyone or I have the answer. Uh, it's just, it works for me and my family. It, it's who I want to be. It's how I want to live. Um, I want to be there for my son, see them growing up. You know, uh, Jeremy Walter, another planner and advisor, had, had a great blog piece he wrote uh, a couple of weeks ago about enough, right? Mm-hmm. And does it make sense that we're working so hard when our kids are so young and then we're kind of throttling back when they're older and may not need us as much mm-hmm. or the time may not be as precious? And that really hit home to me. And I was like, Jeremy's got it spot on, right? Um, being there when they're younger, you can certainly have more of an impact, more of an influence. Uh, you're certainly going to see more growth from them uh, as they go day to day, right? My son was born November of 2019, our youngest, right? So I've never wow. spent more. I've yeah. never spent a night away from him. Wow! Yeah. Or if I if I have, it's been like literally a night. Um, yeah. So there's good and ter- there's good and there's bad to that, Candace. Uh, <laughs> but again, seeing, you know, being there and, and seeing him day after day and being there for all those moments um, where if I had to go to an office or I had to, you know, abide by a nine to five hardware, I'd miss out on that. Um, pictures are great. Videos are great, but it's not the same. Yeah. Don't you think that's the point of all of this? This is the point of being a financial planner and advisor to like help people like spend their time. There's also their money, but their time in ways that are most meaningful to them. Absolutely. Yeah. And and it's one of the things you talk about, uh, you know, talking retirement these days. Retirement's not the old retirement of collect your pension and you move to Boca and kind of hang out. A a lot of people are pursuing passion projects. Mm. Um, a client of mine was in the title insurance industry for decades, is now a sommelier who, prior to COVID, would do wine tours through Italy. Yeah. Consi- considers that his retirement. However, he's still working. So is that officially retired? How does, you know, it's well, a mindset. I think, yeah, I think it's a mindset. And I think in the old school approach, like you hated your job, potentially. Or like, yeah. you know, just count down the days and, and okay, yeah, I need two more like, years to max up my pension and then I'm out, you know? And yeah. then I'm out and I want to quit. Where now I feel like even where to your point of technology and like where we've all evolved to, the jobs that we're doing uh, like historically would have kind of been passion projects, but now they're like our jobs. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because of technology. So there isn't that, oh my God, I've got to like d- be done with this, you know, like uh, working for the man can't take it, you know, which is what you beautifully demonstrated in this global economy, like supported by technology. You can do whatever it is that you want in a completely different way, wherever you want on a schedule that doesn't, isn't traditional or old school. Yeah. Like I said, the business evolves, the world evolves, we evolve. If if you're fighting the tide, it's not a recipe for success generally. (laughs) So it's been so lovely to have you on. I have a few questions to wind down with. There are rapid fire. So where does drumming fit in? Has there been more time for drumming? What's the deal? Oh gosh, I haven't drummed in a long time. So I grew up playing the drums through you know, school, uh, in high school and college, I'd play the parties, right. Um, and at the college, party, you'd play like at the, like in a band. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I'd be the drummer in the band. I 
I could pass as a bassist on two songs and only two songs. I'm not going to act like I'm some glorious musician. Um, I did the, you know, the college basketball prep band uh, for a year or two. It was fun. Got to go to the games. Um, Certainly something that I loved, but living in New York City doesn't really bode well for drumming. Uh, So I have just my sticks and my practice pad. And more times than not, I'm tapping fingers, tapping toes. And I would annoy coworkers with that. But yeah. I hope to see a drumming video from you soon as you kind of evolve into this new, like spending time on your passions. We'll see. You know, it depends on real estate. You know, we're, we're expanding family to two growing boys. So we need more space. So, that, you know, home office these days. So I might might be able to squeeze one in. We'll see. Uh, what change are you looking to create? If you look ahead 10 years or whatever your kind of time horizon is, like what change do you see that you're creating out in the world? For me, the biggest change I want to see is just more awareness around disability and special needs um, regarding financials, right? Mm -hmm. There's certainly multiple organizations, multiple charities, uh, multiple businesses around um, kind of the medicine, the emotional aspects of it, but not as much around the finances of it. And I'd love to play a part in that. And I'm not saying I want to be the face of it. I'm I'm not looking for the glory. I'm not looking at that. Um, I'm just looking to contribute and to serve. So it's that's like the you, big one for me. You said you weren't an entrepreneur, but now you are. You weren't entrepreneurial, but now you are. And you don't want to be the face, but you might be. So who knows? Well, that's not my goal. That's not my intent. Yeah. So, uh, Matt, what does the new school mean to you? I think we, we touched on it a few times here. New school is, you know, doing what you want and figuring it out and making it work for how you want to live your life. Um, when it comes to financials and financial planning, for me, it was starting my business, um, going out on my own and doing it my way, you know, blocking off time on the calendar, spending time with my boys, spending time with my wife. Um, you know, once all this is over, you know, traveling about, but still working because I have that ability, uh, as well as, you know, utilizing the, you know, I'm a member of the advisor growth community or AGC and, that's a new school way, right? It's people who have, share a similar philosophy and it's not group think by any means, plenty of debate, plenty of that, but just finding like-minded individuals and comparing ideas and sharing ideas. Um, you know, it's more collaboration. We're not competitors. There's plenty of people in the world that need financial help. Uh, and that's the biggest thing is if we could all collaborate versus compete, I think that's the newest school that you can get for finance. I do agree with that. I think that's a really cool perspective um, thank you for coming on the new school podcast. Where can people find you? Yeah. So I am on uh, Twitter. It's Matthew Ricks and then an underscore. Um, someone was squatting on Matthew Ricks and all other different, you know, permutations. So had to add the underscore at the end there on Instagram. Uh, it's Haystack Financial Planning. You can find me on LinkedIn and the website is just haystackfp.com. Thanks for coming on. Matt. It was a total pleasure. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you reaching out and it was a blast.